Let's take a few minutes just before we finish um, to think about mission and our response to mission and what our thinking is about mission. At some level, we're involved in mission, whether it is simply on a Sunday morning listening to someone up front praying for work overseas, work at home, our mission partners here at Kirkpatrick Memorial. Perhaps we're more engaged where we actually pray at home or we give to certain mission agencies that we are keen on following the work of. For some, they've had the opportunity to be directly involved, whether it be camps, missions, or overseas cross-cultural mission. But it seems that in a lot of our thinking about mission, mission is the add-on rather than what we do all the time. Mission seems to be relegated as just one other thing the church does rather than being the central ministry of the church. If I were to ask you how you came to know Jesus as your own Lord and Savior, I would guess for many of us it's because, well, it has been someone has told us, whether it is in our home or whether it's on camp or at a schism or in church, we have heard from someone else about Jesus. And that is what mission is. These moments that we've heard about are fantastic throughout the year with camps and schisms that year by year teach and tell young people during the summer months about Jesus. And going overseas is a great opportunity to, to share what we have here in our knowledge of God, but also to learn from other cultures as they discover God. But whenever we look at Paul, and we look at the work and the ministry that Paul undertook as we get it there in Acts, and even what he records in his own letters, we learn something about Paul's idea of mission. Mission to Paul, yes, was going cross-culturally. It was going throughout all of the known world. It was about going into the empire and taking the message of Jesus with him. But when he got there, what did he do? He lived a normal life. He lived as if he was living elsewhere. Whenever we were reading and picked up the story about Paul and Silas in Philippi, the two accounts that we read, what were they doing? They were wanting to do what they normally did, which was worship. So in the first case, they go to look for the place where it's rumored that people are praying. And so they go and they find Lydia. Lydia who hears what Paul has to teach and wants to know more about Jesus. So in a simple conversation, Jesus is shared and someone wants to find out more. The second occasion where they get to, to share something of Jesus, Paul and Silas again are on their way to the place of prayer. And they come across this young girl who is demon-possessed, and because of this possession, she can tell the future. And earning a lot of money for her masters. And they get a little bit tired of this, as we read, and they cast out the demon, which means she's no more effective in this money scam that her slave masters have for her. And so they bring Paul and Silas to the magistrates. But in this all, they are teaching and sharing Jesus in their conduct, and also in the witness of this girl saying they're here to tell people about Jesus. 
The rest of the story, if we're familiar to what happens in Philippi, Paul and Silas get thrown in prison. And it's while they're there that God does amazing things through them. I don't know what you would do in prison at midnight. I guess we'd all try and sleep a little. If we couldn't do that, we'd probably throw a little pity party to think, well, woe is me here. But Paul and Silas, it's very different. It's different because of the intention they have in their lives. Their lives are enveloped by Jesus. They know this wonderful thing that they have, this this gospel, this salvation. They know that it is so precious that it permeates from every part of them. And so at midnight, while in prison, they're singing and they're praising God. And God does his work. God comes with with the earthquake, and it says in these verses, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open, and everybody's chains came loose. It was open doors and everyone out. And the jailer, knowing what would happen to him, draws his own sword to kill himself to, to save the Romans doing it themselves. And Paul shouts, stop, we're all here, and miraculously they are. The jailer knows what's been going on. He has heard the singing. I'm sure he's heard the praying of Paul and Silas. And through this hardship that seems to Saul and Paul and Silas, a family, a small community comes to Christ. And from that community, the church grows in Philippi. We may think, well, that's okay. That's Paul. He was one called by God to go and do this. He had the unique gift of sharing the gospel. And maybe he did have a unique way of sharing the gospel. But we can't get over the first thought that he was called. If we are found in Jesus Christ, we are called to share Jesus Christ. And this is what mission is. Mission, the early church called it gossiping the gospel. Exactly what they were doing here, going around and sharing Jesus as casual in their conversations as it would be to ask the question, how are you today? And rather than, I'm fine, how are you? The conversation came round to talking about Jesus. And you have to remember at this stage, Anything could have happened to you from being thrown in prison to be executed for simply talking about Jesus. But yet the early church went about in their normal conversations to share about Jesus. How are you involved in mission? You've sat here tonight. You've listened to what people in our church family have been doing. You've heard different things, but you've heard one common thread. And that is the delight that they have in doing whatever particular ministry they were doing. They delight in it because they see God at work. They see lives changed for the kingdom. So the question is, how can we be missional people as we are called to be people of God? And it's as simple as gossiping the gospel. A few of us have had the opportunity the past couple of months to to really read through Out of the Salt Shaker by Becky Manley Pippert. 
I don't know what particular gift or knack she has, but she can strike up conversations with anyone and she seems to find herself in these situations that I could only dream about. Having read it, I was challenged, well, let's go for this. So I changed where I got my hair cut. No longer did I travel the 40 miles down the road to Katie to get my £6.50 haircut. The guy had known me since I was knee-high to a cricket. I thought, right, Ballyhackamore is my community now, so I'm going to get my haircut locally. It's going to cost me a lot more, but it's going to be worth it. And it's surprising that I had a Becky Manley peppered moment because she so simply has these conversations everywhere she goes. And now, with my particular barber, I have a conversation. He knows where I work. He knows what I do. I know his children. I know his family situation. And so every time we go in, we talk about these things. And we reflect about Jesus in it all. Folks, I think we're a little bit afraid. We're a little bit afraid that people will think we're freaks and we're odd. Because we think the world doesn't like Jesus. But the world is hungry. The world is hungry to discover Jesus. Your hairdresser is hungry for Jesus. Your gardener, whoever it is who scans your food at the checkout, don't use the lazy way by going through the till where you self-scan. It may be quicker, but you don't have a conversation with a computer unless it bleeps things at you and perhaps you have a conversation back. The only way that we can tell people about Jesus is to meet people. At Bangor Worldwide this week, we learned that within the next 30 years, 10% of the population of the United Kingdom will be Muslim. That's a staggering growth figure in the next 30 years. But we were also told and prepared for how to do gospel work to those who follow Islam. To engage with them. Not to put them out on the margins and alienate them, but to actually engage in conversation with them about the scriptures and about Jesus. And it got me thinking in the light of this passage that that's what mission is to everyone in our community and everyone in the world around us. It's about having conversations. We're all good at talking. We can all hold a conversation. What we need to learn to do is to steer our conversations to be about Jesus. So that as we go through our towns and our cities, perhaps as we go cross-culturally to other towns and cities, we do as Paul and Silas did throughout all of their ministry in Philippi, going about their normal daily business, finding a place of prayer, a place of worship, going through the streets and the marketplaces, going to prison and sharing about Jesus. I thought it was hard. For 32 years, I thought that no one wanted to listen unless I was in a pulpit where no one could escape. But it turns out, people are hungry for Jesus. And all they want is a conversation. Sism camps, overseas. 
It all happens right here, right now. It's all channeled down into how we communicate with each other and how we communicate with the world around us. The summer is over. The autumn is about to begin. The 1st of September will be rolling round as, as the normality of social life kicks in and church life. Can we tonight decide and be proactive in how we have conversations with the person who cuts our grass, with the person who cleans our windows, with the person who washes our cars, with the person who serves us our teas, our coffees, and our scones. People are hungry to hear about Jesus. The only way they're ever going to find out is to meet someone who can introduce Jesus to them. Another great thing they had at Bangor Worldwide, which I've seen in other places is a mirror. So tonight when you're thinking about the next mission partner to support, look in the mirror because you are as much a missionary in this land as anyone else in the world as we communicate the gospel message so that the untold millions within our own province will discover Jesus and they too will know the joy of salvation and they too will go on to tell others. Folks, let's pray. Father, tonight we've come and we've learned about what's been happening over the summer. And we thank you. We thank you that we have seen prayers answered. Thank you that as we have been here praying for people who have gone from here, thank you that they can come back and tell us the wonderful stories about how you are changing lives. Thank you that you are changing their lives. Thank you that you're changing the boys and girls and teenagers and families that they've come into contact with. And Father, help us as we think of these things to trust in you, knowing that you will hear and answer prayers as we go into our workplaces and our marketplaces, as we go into our supermarkets and our coffee shops and our petrol stations, as we stay in our own streets and in our own homes. Help us to have conversations about Jesus, about how we know him and about how we love him. Father, what comes so naturally to us in our relationship with Jesus, help us to share it with others so that they can discover him as well. Lord, we can't do this on our own. We need your help and your encouragement and we need your people, those around us, to be there as well. So use us all to encourage and also to gossip the gospel so that many will hear and respond to the wonderful love of Jesus. We ask these things in his name alone. Amen.